Got any Halloween plans? Wow, that's asking me early. I mean, all things timing considered, this will be closer to Halloween than when we're recording it, so. That's fair. I'm trying to think of, like, I mean, Halloween's weird this year. I don't know, like. Yeah. Trick or treat. Gonna have a Halloween Zoom party. Oh, I guess. Everyone dresses up and. Costume and stuff. Uh, I mean. So, like, I don't get the I know, like, our major socialization now is, like, Zoom. And, like, mm-hmm. but it feels weird to get drunk on Zoom. I don't know <laughs> if you'd, like, have been engaging in those sorts of things. But, like, people call them happy hours or they call them get-togethers and stuff. I'm not a big drinker to begin with, like, mm-hmm. actually. And so, like, I don't mind hanging out on Zoom. But, like, I'm just in my apartment. I don't need to, like, use alcohol as a social lubricant. To like to hang out in your apartment, yeah. To like Skype, basically, yeah. To Zoom, it is a little weird. Yeah. Well, so like, I was never a big drinker to begin with, and when I drank, like when I first started drinking out alcohol, the reason I drank is because I had social anxiety, specifically social anxiety when dealing with the opposite sex, mm-hmm. and. Alcohol is a drug that loosens you up, and I treated it as any other drug, where, like, you don't take aspirin if you don't have a headache. Oh, different definition of drug, but I was going with something else, but okay, yeah, sure, medical drugs. (laughs) Yeah, like, like it's a a drug. It changes your, your metabolism or your body or whatever. Metabolism isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And so... If I was hanging out with a group of people I already knew or like my friends, I didn't drink because that wasn't the point of it. And like, I never really got like super into the taste of alcohol. I was, I don't have a big like beer interest in terms of like, oh, this one is hoppy and this one is, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know, malty or is that something you talk about for beers? I don't know. And and anyway, the point was, is that like, once I became more relaxed and able to talk to people and had less social anxiety without, without alcohol, and like, I stopped drinking as much because I didn't need to do it to be, you know, talk to people. And so I'm, I'm not a big drinker anyway. And so like, I'm with you in the sense of like getting on a zoom call and having a happy hour and just drinking for drinking. Like I've never drank just to drink like, but I'm, I'm also a very, I don't like losing control of my faculties or facilities. Uh How, what would you, how would you say that? Faculties? Uh, I think it's mental faculties. So yeah, losing control of your faculties. So like for me, yeah, I don't like doing, that the drugs or anything that like lets me makes me lose like control of myself in in that sense fair enough the idea of blacking out and not remembering what you did the night before is just like no i am not interested in having that happen to me have you ever had it happen to you though once the very first time i drank got it got it and it wasn't even that bad because I was doing it at my house and I didn't lose too much time, but yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I, I even don't like how, you know, I had 
anesthesia and got my wisdom teeth out and like I was in the office and they said count back from 100 and I got to 94 and woke up on my couch and uh, yeah. I don't like that because that was not cool I, I don't like not knowing what I did and, and it, it yeah anyway yeah so no I'm I've on your <laughs> as to what you were saying no I I'm I'm not a big alcohol zoomer either yeah it's just uh, I mean I get it. And it feels like a weird new type of peer pressure where it's like, oh, well, we're going to have happy hours. So I might as well have a drink or so, but it's never a, well, I'm going to get really, I'll just have like a drink and sip on it for like an hour or two because it's Zoom. It's, it is weird. I will say, I don't know. It, <laughs> I, and Yeah. Like, and it goes to the idea of like taste too, because like, if I'm just going to sit and sip on a drink, I want to at least have it be something I I'm interested in drinking, mm -hmm. you know, and like most flavored drinks, I know what flavors I like and I would rather drink like a soda or juice or something that, that has a flavor I know versus, you know, something that isn't a, uh, acquired taste or, you know, whatever. Like I did think you got into, no, you, I, th I could have sworn, aren't you, there's like one alcohol you like or something like, a is it, aren't you a whiskey guy? I mean, of liquors, I prefer whiskey, okay. but like, it still isn't like a go-to drink where I just, I like whiskey's flavor and will just drink it because I want to drink a whiskey. That's true. You're not somebody who I view as like a connoisseur who every night has like a, a glass yeah. of whiskey or something. I don't put on my robe by the fireplace and like swirl a, a small glass of whiskey around and be like oh yes mm, that's the mm, good stuff the peat like i don't have yeah i don't have a cigar and, and, a, and a whiskey in my terry cloth robe is that what that is i don't know terry cloth? Yeah, this is okay okay I, I don't is that what the, it was velvet probably is a better like a yeah you should have gone with a, terry cloth i'm thinking of like kitchen rags <laughs> yeah, that 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 is not <laughs> what what a whiskey drinker would be. <laughs> whiskey in a terry cloth robe—that's like that's up there with know, like have your mug ten thirty a.m. You know, <laughs> drunk, stumbling out on your porch in in a robe with your whiskey glass. Like, what are you doing drinking right now? This is not what you should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> It's a gamer. We're here. It's a gamer. This makes no fucking sense, but we're doing it anyway. Welcome, everyone, to Make Me a Gamer, the procedurally generated podcast that's a roguelike for your ears. I'm your host, T-Man, and I'm here with... Harvey Z, in the place to be. And this is our special countdown finale episode where we're finally hitting the top ten games of the decade from 2010 to 2019. Um, that's what we're doing this episode. If it goes too short, uh, if we don't have enough time to, uh, or if it do it doesn't take up as much time as we think it will, then I'll do like questions from the, the mail at the end because we still got some of those to get to. But yeah, that that's the plan for this episode. Nothing fancy, no big news or anything like that. Just... You get to listen to me talk about my favorite games of the past decade. And we'll see. There's going to be one game that I'm hoping is on this list, and I'm hoping it's number one. 
Okay. But it might be number two. But we'll see. I'll accept either of those, maybe. <laughs> so you only accept if if yeah, you only accept it if it's number one or number two. Okay. Yes. Anything else, and I'm going to be disappointed in you. Okay. So let me see here. I'm looking at my top ten right now, and there are four games on it that I know we've definitely discussed on this podcast. Okay. There are three games on it that I'm like 50-50 on. We may have discussed it in passing like once or twice. There's one game on here that we haven't discussed on the podcast, I don't think, but you have experienced it with me via the YouTube channel when we were recording Let's Plays and and those sorts of things. And there may be like one or two that you didn't, I haven't ever talked about it all specifically on the podcast, um, but have talked about before. So you may have heard me talk about them. All right. Then shall we start with our number one zero? So do we want to start with number 10? Do you have any guesses? I do, but I don't want to like ruin the spoilers or surprises by saying, oh, it's at this one. And you're like, ah, close or something, you know? Like, okay. Well, get, okay. I, what the clues you gave, give me some idea of where we're going with it. All right, so here here's the deal. Number 10 is a game that we have definitely discussed on the podcast. Okay, I'm thinking, I mean, that's a very open kind of broad area. All right, but we have discussed it multiple times. It's not a, a one and done discussion. And it's it not... has come up multiple times. Okay. And I'll go ahead and say that you have also played it. And it's not the one that I'm hoping is in number one or two. No, it is not. If I know, okay. there's if I, only one if, game that you would think. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah if it, it's not that one yet. Yeah, it's not that one. Um, because hmm. if I have played it as well, did you say multiple times, or I played it? Maybe like, is this the one that I like? The the clue that was most interesting was the I've watched you play and maybe even played it on your YouTube channel. Okay, that one. That it's not this one. It's not this one. Okay, then yeah. um, let's say thinking. I haven't really watched you play any of the GTA things. I'm not. I'm not saying this is not watched you play. I'm. I said specifically we've talked about it on the podcast multiple times, and you have played it. And it's from 2019 behind. Um, is it? No, I haven't played that. I'm thinking of a Hitman kind of game. Is it a Hitman? No, game? no, no, no. Not any of the. You've already I'm going to make this super easy. I, I, I'm yeah. trying to make it as easy as possible. It's on the Switch. Oh, is it? Um, shit, what's the name of the game? I know exactly which one it is then. It is <laughs> um, not. It's the Three Houses, Fire Emblem. Yes. That. Okay, then we got there. Okay. Yeah. Number 10 is Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh-huh. We talked about it a lot uh, in 2019. It was the game that got you to to get a switch. Actually, like that was that was when you became a gamer. Yeah, this was the uh, the start of it all. Where I really wanted to play it, and sadly, I've only played it once. Like I, I yeah. started a second campaign. I didn't really get anywhere. Yeah, I, I played it one and a half times. I got about. A th- I, not even a half maybe like a third of the way through my second try in the campaign same yeah so it was a really good game it had everything you know strategy and the the base building and training and talking to all your 
your students and you know your relationships with them and their relationships with each other yeah it w- it was a very high quality game and really had a big impact on on me and also i spent a lot of time playing it like it, it rocketed to my favorite of the series very easily and i i approve of its spot it's a top 10 game like it yeah. it deserves to be in here and i'm okay with it being in the 10th place it's i'm i'm sure you have other good games too but this this is setting the bar high then yeah yeah that is i mean of games we've discussed it's really high up there like since we've been doing this podcast it's like one of the top I would say one of our top discussed podcast games, like we spent many episodes going over like my story versus your story and, and are the characters we liked from the game. There's a whole, like if you, if you check 2019, the summer ish episodes, when we got into this, there's, there's a couple good discussions on that. If you're interested in, in hearing more about fire emblem, I'm not going to go too much more into detail than that because, as I've said, we've discussed it a lot on the podcast before. But if you haven't ever played a strategy game or haven't ever played a Fire Emblem game, it's a great place to start, I think. Highly recommended. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Number nine. Okay. Number nine is another game we've discussed on the podcast and is another recent game. And it was my, I want to, yeah, it was my 2018 game of the year. Ah, crap. I don't remember those things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was, um, and it was 2018. So it wasn't like the weird Mountain Dew, like Kojima game. No. The, what was that? Weird Mountain Dew Kojima game. Monster. It was Monster that was in that. Oh, uh, Monster. That's right. Sorry. Wrong brand. (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Uh, 2008. So I thought this might be on there. I don't know if it was 2018. Was it one of the Spider-Man games? Yes, it was the Spider-Man game. There wasn't multiple Spider-Man games. Okay. It was the, the Spider-Man game. Yeah, that was my game of the year for 2018. And that one comes in at number nine. What is it officially I, called? The Spider-Man it's, game? It's, it, it's officially called... I think Marvel's Spider-Man is like the official title or maybe just Spider-Man. There isn't like a... Amazing a, or fantastic or... Yeah. yeah, there's no adjective. There's no subtitle. It's just Spider-Man. The, I uh, remember the Mo- this... The Spider-Man Miles Morales is coming out this year. Uh, and it's going to be like a, a sh- smaller but still decent sized story that focuses on Miles instead of Peter. Uh, which I'm really looking forward to, but yeah, this one was really good. Is it like, do you need the original base game for it, or can you just play the Miles version? No, no, it, it's its own standalone game. Um, if you get the PS5 version, it actually comes with a remastered version of the PS4 original game. So you get both games if you buy the PS5 Miles game. Yeah. Um, but I'm probably going to get it. For, it's also coming out on the PS4, and since I'm not upgrading to the PS5 anytime soon... As long as it seems to like review decently and doesn't like have like super bad performance issues uh, on the PS4, then I'll probably just pick it up for that. Um, since I already have Spider-Man anyway, too. 
God, this one, this was a game that tempted me strongly for like the PS4, I think it was, because I was, I watched you play just like five, ten minutes of it, but I really, like I'm big into Spider-Man. This game seems to know its source really well. And I also remember like, it's just, it came so close to tempting me. Yeah. I mean, I would highly recommend if you're going to dip into the PS5, like picking up the Miles Morales edition and getting both uh-huh. and and uh i know you're probably even less likely to get a ps5 right off the bat than i am but since the ps5 is looking to be ps4 backwards compatible i feel like you're mm-hmm. probably more likely to end up with a ps5 than uh others because it'll give you a, a wider library of games that's fair and then the other like make me a gamer related thing i remember us going back and forth on this game of where you were agonizing over like i think you wanted to consider buying like a ps4 spider-man edition (laughs) which i did okay yes so like i'm not a big you know graphics and like performance person person but like there was a limited edition spider-man ps4 pro which was like the advanced ps4 uh that i ended up buying because i love spider-man so much uh and i and it was the agonizer for me because i already had a ps4 <laughs> and didn't need the upgrade but i love spider-man so much and like this was, was so like exciting to me that I, we were getting a good spider-man game that i ended up getting the spider-man ps4 pro and yeah i really enjoyed the game it was you felt like spider-man the web swinging was awesome the story was great um it didn't wear out its welcome it was like a 20 to 25 hour game it wasn't like super bloated uh you could get through it fairly easily um yeah it it was it was the perfect game for what i was looking for to be spider-man and it didn't it didn't overstate welcome it didn't have the issues that the avengers game has with like tacked on extra multiplayer or you know grindy feeling like it just felt good in all aspects and it was a definitely top tier game one of the best of the decade number nine in fact again i can't refute this one like so far all right these two games i know you really enjoyed them and i i can see they are top 10 worthy so far (laughs) all right number eight also discussed on the podcast and this one ended up being my 2019 game of the year. It was the talkie game didn't come out in 2019, did it? The what, what Disco Elysium. The, yes, yeah, there you go. Boom! I'm I'm three for three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Number eight is Disco Elysium, the one you wanted to play but couldn't because it doesn't work on Mac and. It's not on the Switch yet. Although I thought I thought I heard I, it was eventually going to come to Switch. So it's on Steam, I know for sure, but I'm waiting for it to see if it come to the Switch. But I know it's on Steam for Max, I think. Maybe. It is it is on Steam for Max. You're just waiting for Switch for yeah. portability. Basically. Apparently I, I was just looking it up now. It seems April seventh was the last news on disco elysium but they said it was coming soon to switch april 7th so we'll uh see when that's actually going to come out uh but i'm sure covid kind of messed up things for them but yeah disco elysium game of the year for 2019 for me it was 
just a, an absolutely wonderful RPG. The the dynamics of all the different voices in your head and how it plays out and how the the dice system and the stats all played out together. Like it was fantastic. The dialogue was funny and also just plain good. Like it wasn't just a humorous game, although that was a lot of it. I talked about it a lot in 2019. Again, game of the year. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that and Fire Emblem were my obviously my two favorite games from last year. Uh, so I talked about both of them a lot on the podcast. Uh, I don't remember exactly when I talked about these, but I it came out towards the end of the year, so I'm sure it was somewhere in October, November. Uh, if you want to go back and take a listen to those, anything else from you on that? Like, I know you want to play play it, so I'm trying not to talk too yeah, much about it. That's also why I'm like, I, I am curious about this game. I will at some point in my career play this game. I feel like, but it is one where, again, like with this top ten, because I was like, you had a hundred fucking games. What kind of bullshit list are you gonna make it? I'm again, I, I can't fault your list. This is so far <laughs> really good. Every game okay. on the top 10 is an, a game that I would actually be interested in, and it's not just like a niche game. Okay. Well, now we're getting into ones that we haven't talked about on the podcast. So, okay. number seven, I'm trying to decide if there's a, a way I can hint this to you. See, number seven is an RPG. Okay. It came out in, I want to say, 2017, so before we started the podcast. Long shot? Is it this? I've heard this game a lot. Undertale? No. Okay. It's relatively famous in recent uh, years because of how long it takes to finish it. It's something like 80 to 90 hours. Not Disgaea. Um, no, no, not Disgaea. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say it because I, I, I'm not yeah. even sure we've talked about it. Uh, number seven is Persona 5. So I know you like Persona and five is the newest one? Yeah. Because you keep the, playing Persona, and I don't know if you're playing the same game or, like, expansions to it. <laughs> um, well, okay, so Persona 5 came out in 2017. Persona 5 Royal, which I also got but haven't played yet, is, like, basically the same game but with more stuff added to it. So there's extra content and new characters and that sort of thing and more like a complete edition. Okay. Um, but like I've only played the base Persona Five. It's still it, everyone says that Royal is even better than the regular, and I'd probably clarify. But just for clarification, like this is my only experience was with the base Persona Five. I wouldn't consider them two different games anyway. If I was putting them on a list, like it'd be one or the other. Although I guess technically Persona Five Royal came out in 2020, so it wouldn't even fit. Anyway, getting off topic then. I think what what I talked about on the podcast, I may or may not have talked about it, was Persona 4 Golden came out on Steam. Um, and it was the first time that game had been released outside of the PS Vita. Uh, and that, I think, also came out this year. And I was playing that for a while to, because I like the Persona series. And Golden is the same as Royal in the sense that it's the persona 4 but with improvements and uh new characters and and just a, a more streamlined experience 
But for me, Persona 5 was just hands down one of the best RPGs I've ever played. The characters were fantastic. The music, it has one of the best game soundtracks ever. Uh, I got like a, a three disc set imported from Japan and had that playing in my car a whole bunch. Like, and it takes 90 hours, but even after 90 hours, I was sad to let the characters go, you know, once I completed the story. It was one of those things where it's like, no, I'd, I want to spend more time with them in this world. And uh, it, it's such a good game. I know people don't have the time to invest in it now. Even I don't have the time. Like, it's why I haven't started Persona 5 Royal, because I know it's going to take me another 80 hours to beat it again. And so that it's not for everyone. But if you like JRPGs, if you like stories about teenagers deciding that adults suck and overthrowing the government is a good idea you know taking the revolution into your hands and also demons then persona 5 is a fantastic game there's there's a little bit of bad homophobic stuff that i think got fixed or at least is better in royal but the original game was kind of yeah, on that front, because eh, it, it, it's a Japanese game, and and some Japanese directors have a less uh, PC approach to homophobic remarks and that sort of thing. So there is a little bit of that stuff in there, which is not great, but it's still a very very good game overall, and it's not ever present. It's like one or two side characters that show up for like two dialogues over the course of 90 hours so it's not like the entire game is homophobic or anything anyway i like persona and the persona series a lot and yeah that's why persona 5 is up here it's a game i spent 90 hours in and would have gladly <laughs> spent another 90 hours in to spend more time with the characters and probably will like i said when i get around to royal it's a game where I just don't know if I would like it or not, partly because I just don't know enough about it. Like, I just, I don't know. It, I feel like it's a game I would like, but I just... I think you would like it because it's about, like, half the game is, like, in dungeons fighting things, which is, is like, and that's, like, standard RPG-esque bat, uh, turn-based battle system. Mm-hmm. And then the other half is, like, developing relationships and, like, planning your school day and, like, oh, I want to hang out with this friend on this day and we're going to hang out. And you get, like, a little cutscene where they, they spend time together and you get, like, dialogue options and that sort of thing. So there's, like, a balance between, like, your social life and then, like, you know, taking down the man. And I think you would like that sort of like back and forth. Like it's not just like a straight, the, the narrative is really good and, and the story beats are really good. And I think you would appreciate that, especially like the character moments and everything. I was going to say, how does it separate itself? Because that sounds a lot to me like Fire Emblem. It is a little bit like Fire Emblem in that sense. But like Fire Emblem is a strategy game, whereas mm. uh, Persona 5 is a more of a straight RPG uh, plays more like final fantasy uh, in the battles, like final fantasy seven, not final fantasy tactics. Got it. Um, 
and like it's not as in depth as fire emblem is it's more about narrative choices and less about like oh i can train this person to do this and level up this like all the characters have set things they're going to level up every time and you can't kind of like mix and match the way you can in fire emblem all right so moving on to number six are you still with me oh yeah i'm, I'm waiting i'm waiting for the hint i'm prepared <laughs> sorry you got real quiet i was like are you still there talk to me harvey <laughs> um so number six uh i don't know if i've even talked about it on the podcast or not this is one of the ones where i'm not sure how much i've ever gone into it with you uh so it is an offshoot of a popular series we talked about that series last week as another game from the series was is it uh, the no, in the top 20 it's, it's the japanese Sephiro came this year yes you're, you're close you're close yeah um it's is it one of the dark souls games it's not one of the Dark Souls games. It's but like I said. It's it's, it's a, a it's. I'm it's trying to think from of... the same company, the same genre, but it was a spin off. Not not even a spin off. It's just a new universe, a new game in that specific universe. But can you give me a hint about what kind of a universe it is? Because the only one I thought came out of those like the Dark Souls people was the uh, the Japanese one, basically. So this one, it starts out in kind of like a Victorian-esque setting, you know, like, you oh. know, there's guns and, like, overcoats and weird Is this hats. The, oh, and... it's, um, you've talked about, I thought, like, Dishonor or something like that? No, oh. but that that's a good, like, your brain is going to the right place. But this one, okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it because everyone else knows who it, what it is, and I'm not even sure... If you've got, if you know yeah. the title, because I haven't, I'm not sure if we've talked about it or not. But uh, number six is Bloodborne. 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 Yeah. Your your yeah. Don't know your questioning of the title makes me think that I haven't really talked about you've it. Not mentioned. Like that's why I was like, oh, Dishonor is my deep pick of where I'm surprised I even know what this is, kind of thing. Yeah. So did we talk about Dishonored? Yeah, we did talk about Dishonored earlier. Yeah, on, uh, in, I think in, it's in like the list, an earlier actually. podcast. It was on the list. It was number fifty-six. I just found it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so number so Bloodborne is the apex of the Souls like genre to me. It is the best evolution of that game. It takes away your shield, like. Dark Souls is a high fantasy universe and you get like swords and shields and knights and magic and wizards and, you know, crossbows and that sort of thing. Um, Bloodborne takes place in like this Victorian setting and the first half of the game is you're like you're hunting these beasts that are, you know, there's infected blood and, and uh, people in the village and the town are like turning into these wicked beast monsters and you know you're slowly unraveling this like horror like every time the blood moon rises there's a hunt and you know there's the hunters who go after the beasts and the the people who succumb to the old blood and turn into beasts and so that's like the first half of the game and it twists on the souls 
gameplay in the sense that like you don't have a shield you have a gun in one hand and a trick weapon in the other and the gun you use to like parry enemies that are attacking you so instead of blocking it makes you it forces you to be a lot more aggressive and a lot more in time with enemy attacks in terms of like dodging and countering knowing when to like go in for the attack knowing when you can like get an uh, a parry in and get them off balance and do a lot of damage uh the gun by a lot of the guns by themselves don't do a lot of damage they're specifically there to use as like counters so it's not a shooter uh it's definitely melee based but you just use the guns to like sort of counter attacks and stun enemies and go in with your trick weapon and the trick weapons are just so cool like each weapon has like two styles to it and like so what the the weapon i used in my first playthrough it's a, a cane that changes into a chain whip so like you've got like a short range blunt sort of like staff attack that you can whack people with this cane uh, it's called the threaded cane like it just i just remember that so you like your your regular attack is is um hitting people with this cane and then you can switch it into like this long whip that has like a wide AOE that you can hit a bunch of enemies and knock people away. And there's all sorts of like cool combos you can do because you can do attacks that like as you attack with it, you switch from one version of the weapon to the other. And there's like light and heavy attacks with each version. Um, there's cool weapons like an electric mace where like the main version is just a regular mace but when you go to the secondary version you like charge up and it's just like full of electricity and you whack people and shock them there's all sorts of cool weapons there's something for everyone's play style it's just the perfect evolution of the souls games if you like those types of games and like the second half of the game gets batshit crazy it goes into like full cosmic horror it's one of the best sort of like what the fuck did I just walk into story games because like you're slowly unraveling what's happening in this town and it goes from like fighting werewolves to fighting like these eldritch horror beasts that have like, you know, infected everyone and it's just so good. Like I love it because it was not high fantasy. Like I tolerate high fantasy a lot of the times because that's kind of what games are made like high fantasy is just a popular genre but whenever like someone explores this sort of different style in gameplay that i like it always grabs me a lot more and so that's why i i like one of the reasons i like bloodborne a lot more than dark souls because like cosmic horror victorian era shit yeah give me that give me more of that don't give me knights with shields and dragons for the 50 billionth time do you do you get a tri-corner hat yeah i'm pretty sure that's one of the costume options so in this one can you be a pilgrim <laughs> i mean i yeah, feel like this is the pilgrim game that i it was somebody <laughs> finally made it <laughs> oh i'm glad that's what you took out of it can you be a pilgrim in bloodborne <laughs> i mean i was wrong on the witcher one but this sounds like the true witcher <laughs> oh god okay well that's so that's number six 
Yeah, I knew you wouldn't have probably heard of that one because I don't think I've gone into Souls games and how much I love them mm-hmm. too much because I don't think, like, since the podcast has come out, there hasn't been a lot of those games, excuse me, that I've really enjoyed. And um, I guess this is a dumb question, but, like, when you say, like, the Souls games, you're talking about, like, the company that makes them and the genre of games. It's not like there's an underlying story between, like, Dark Souls was medieval and then, like, 200 years later, it's Bloodborne. Right, yeah. Like, Souls Likes has basically become its own genre, the same way that, like, Metroidvania kind of became its own genre thanks to Metroid and Castlevania. And so people who just call that the style that comes from the Dark Souls games, they use the term Souls Likes to define them. And it's like, it's usually, it's action RPG combat where you have some sort of leveling system that you have stats that you can boost and weapons uh are the big things that you go between it's usually light on narrative and when there is a narrative it's sort of like you find it as you go and the combat is usually very god i can't think of the word very decisive i guess i want to say where it's like it's not just like a beat em up or a, a slasher where you're just like mashing the buttons. You have to be very deliberate, deliberate, not decisive. Deliberate was the word I was looking for. Uh, it's very deliberate where, you know, you dodge and then attack and then dodge out and block this attack and parry this. And it, it has a very like melodic and sort of skill based flow to it. Yeah. And so, yeah, so they, people call those souls likes and because the Dark Souls series and Demon Souls were the first ones that really did that sort of thing and how it became popular. And then when Bloodborne came out, they tried to call them Soulsborne games, <laughs> but it's Souls-like is what's really stuck. But it's by the same company. Like, From did both Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Okay, so now we're into the top five. Number five was your guess for number seven. Oh, this is the uh, already forgotten it because I don't know this game, but I think it has the Sam's guy in it. Yeah. Undertale. 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 Yeah. Number five is Undertale. Uh, So Undertale is an RPG and I it's one of those games that I don't want to go too much into because it is so much better to play if you don't know anything about it. Okay. Um, but not like in the Stanley Parable sense where you'll yeah. spend like half an hour staring at a computer and not moving your mouse but essentially undertale is a game that kind of plays with typical rpg conventions and it truly lets you have a game where you don't have to kill anybody and yeah i i just it's it's a it's a wonderful story it has amazing characters it has an amazing soundtrack like when i say Persona 5 has one of the best soundtracks of all time. Like, Undertale might be the best soundtrack of all time. I still listen to that soundtrack regularly, and it still makes me emotional when I... Because I, it connects me to the game and the characters. And it's a short game, too. It's like eight hours or so to, to complete oh, it. that's not bad um, at all. It is entirely worth it. It is one of the best games ever made like it it plays with conventions 
and and not like in just like a tongue in cheek sort of mocking way. Like it it has a point and delivers the point very well. Uh, it's very very good. I I can't recommend it enough. Okay, so number four, this one is the game that you have watched me play. Mm-hmm. It was featured on the YouTube channel. It was not a game you played yourself, but it was a game that was like one of the proto-podcasts. So that's where it gets tricky, because that's the one I was like, what is this? Because I've watched you play a lot of stuff on your YouTube channel, but it's like, it's not a party game, because I certainly wouldn't have played it. It's not like Helldivers, which was a group. I was thinking like Hitman, but that's really high, but I played that one as well. What have you played that I watched that was actually featured on not a sports game hmm do you want to give me a genre or will that kind of give it away or a year i'll take either one although year um year i believe it came out in 2013 don't think it's one of the metal gears was it no it's Uh, not one of the metal gears it's a first person shooter oh god what first person shooters did you play that you like besides like doom uh oh Oh, oh, the Bioshock thing. Yes, yeah, Bioshock Infinite. Number four is Bioshock Infinite. Is this the one um, with the bird? Yes, yeah. That's my takeaway. Songbird. Yeah. Yep. No, that's a good takeaway. Songbird is kind of like the big daddy of that game. It was or marketed as such. They were always trying to tap into like the popularity of the big daddy enemy from the original Bioshock. Um, I like general consensus of bioshock infinite has fallen in recent years especially because of political scenarios and how bioshock infinite's columbia is sort of like a version of a really really racist america in the 1917-ish area and you know since it's come out the politics of the game have kind of been analyzed and reanalyzed a bunch Wait, so that, I'm me, curious on that. Like, did it? I thought it's like tongue in cheek in a way. I mean, it, it's. Or did it come so far around that it kind of got where it stopped being tongue in cheek? The big thing that people kind of don't like about it is that it doesn't tongue in cheek it, or it does tongue in cheek it, but also kind of makes a point of like, these people are racist and bad. Yeah. Uh, but also, it kind of both sides. Oh. Uh, both sides a little bit because there's a revolution and there's like oh but the revolution also kills people and that's bad um Uh. and so there is a lot of like negative feedback on that sort of like scale which i understand but for me it's just one of my favorite games i've ever played like the story overall i really enjoyed the relationship between Booker and Elizabeth was very interesting. Uh, it also has some of the best first-person shooter gameplay for me specifically. Like a lot of people, when they go into shooters, they're like, "Oh, this these guns feel really good, and the gunplay is awesome, and all that stuff." And for me, the fun of the Bioshock Infinite game was because you had both shooting that felt good and these awesome vigors that you could like throw out 
and it made combat a lot more interesting. And then you add the addition of the Skyhook, which has gives you like wild mobility that you don't really have in shooters usually. And it's, it's just so much fun for me to play. Uh, the actual gameplay is just so good. I, I It's probably up there as my favorite shooter, first-person shooter of all time in terms of how it plays. God, it's just it's just amazing. I I love the vigors. I love the design of the vigors. I have a vigor bottle that I bought. Um, it's like one of the most expensive items of game memorabilia I own. I I got it from the official Irrational Games store when after Bioshock came out. I have Bioshock Infinite pillows uh with the vigor symbols on them i the first set of pins i ever got that started my pin collection was a set of the eight vigors uh from bioshock infinite like i the the designs and everything about the game i just i love it a lot and i know the politics of the game get some people down but it's not enough for me to like not love it and yeah I guess you don't have anything to add. So it's we'll an go interesting on to number three. Like I don't want to get more into the politics thing because that always makes me curious. But I'm like, yeah, it's it, because I watched it. It's an interesting game. It didn't hook me in a like this is amazing. But I wasn't playing it. I was watching it as opposed to like I enjoy watching you play like the Metal Gear games. And I'm like, oh, these are amusing to me. But Bioshock was, I got it was different. And I'm just like, okay, but it's not for me. Like I could see that from like. <laughs> being an observer where I was like, okay, the music, like I can see what you're doing, Bioshock, and you're doing some interesting things here and you're throwing out interesting ideas. But like, at least as the observer of someone watching. And so like, basically like in my head, I'm watching a movie, I'm watching you play through a game. It's not, it didn't captivate me as much. Although there are certainly some beautiful scenes in it, some exciting battle sequences and things like that. Like I definitely remember that, but it was, it was okay to me. Okay, well, that's why this is my list and not your list. Yeah, this is the <laughs> this is the first I think of the top ten. Well, Bloodborne as well, but Bloodborne I just simply didn't know about. Like I can't picture it. This one I can picture, where I'm like, okay, but this is this wouldn't have made any like okay, but I get I know how important this game is for you, and like yes, I've seen those pillows, I've seen all those things, so it's like fair enough. I yeah. I can't like touch your list on this one. <laughs> Okay, so number three is another game that I'm not sure I've talked to you about specifically. It may have come up briefly. It's a game in a series that we've definitely talked about on the podcast. Uh, Specifically, we've made fun of the most recent entry in the series because it has been so terrible. Fallout. It's got to be Fallout. Yep, it is. It is Fallout. <laughs> uh, number three is Fallout New Vegas. Because they had a good game in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so Fallout New Vegas is basically between it and Fallout 2 to me are the two best of the Fallout series, but they're two very different styles. So mm-hmm. I still hesitate to compare them. But a lot of people love Fallout 3 and I just did not like it at all. It took place in DC, but it the area of the world didn't look anything like DC. 
so that took me out of it a little bit but also it was just bland and boring and the story kind of sucked and it took away all your options like it didn't feel like a fallout game fallout new vegas was the opposite of that it gives you all these options when you're doing dialogue you have different factions you can ally with that change the story depending on if you're nice to them or you decide to just blow them away you can kill people if you want to you can just do whatever the fuck you want you don't have to follow us that story um there is like a main story to follow but there's so many side quests and other things to do that you can get just lost in the world and just kind of do your own thing um it's one of the first games i ever like fully got all the achievements for it's the first game i think i got all the dlc for uh it's so good. It is one of the best like American RPGs I've ever played. It's a game you would really like if you could look behind you. Yeah. Like cuz I played a little is... bit of Fallout, like Fallout 3 I think it is and it's just, I get it, but I can't see behind me, so I'm yeah. constantly spinning. Yeah. Like it it's if you could see behind you, if it was like more of an isometric style game Mm -hmm. i would recommend it immediately because it's very up your alley as it is though like yeah it's it's a first person game so you can't see behind you so i don't i don't know if you would get the same thing out of it as i did but it's so good it's so good that's why i was about to i was about to comment with fallout 2 and the fact that you named it it's like okay so fallout 2 is a fantastic game i love it but yeah. yeah fallout 2 was a dangerous game for me because it has that like just do one more thing aspect to it and it was there was a day where i sat down like i woke up sat down at my computer started playing fallout 2 and then it was like 10 o'clock at night and i hadn't moved from my computer i hadn't eaten i hadn't talked to anybody i just played fallout 2 for like 12 hours and i was like oh shit i can't do this like that's how good of a game fallout 2 was to the point it was like a dangerous game (laughs) but fallout new vegas is a different it's the first person style versus isometric and there's like slightly different ways to go about things because of of the style of the game but it still keeps the energy and sort of like the do whatever you want and have like many options to tackle problems that fallout 2 has and the same humor and all that good stuff all right so we are into the top two i'm curious so far my game has not been mentioned and i was hoping (laughs) it would be in the top two Right. And now, does it make two or does it make one? Hmm. Alright, so it is not number two. Yes! <laughs> I approve of this list now. That, uh, if, if it wasn't, this would be a sham. It would be just, oh, throw it all out. Uh, so number two is a game I think we talked about briefly on the podcast as like an older game when we were doing like the pulling from the hat. Mm-hmm. Um, they recently... The company that made it recently had a follow-up that I enjoyed a lot that I talked about on the podcast. Uh, That one you didn't end up hitting in your picks, but it was number 24, and that was Control. Um, Oh, we talked about this is that weird soundtrack game. You really like a song from this. 
Well, that that was control. That yeah. was number twenty four. Okay. Uh, number two is Alan Wake. Wow, number two. This is real high for this uh, game. I yeah. mean, I know you like it, but wow. I really like Alan Wake, and you know, it's like it, I I wish I had my three sixty so I could go back and play it again. Um, it was the game that made me get a like I wanted it so bad that I bought a 360 when it came out because that was the only way to play it. Like I got a 360 just to play this game. And there aren't a lot of games in my lifetime that have made me buy a system. Uh, you know, Final Fantasy seven made me get a PS one. Alan Wake made me get a 360. Did you play Alan Wake before on someone else's 360 or you no, just read no, about I was it? Just, you were like, I was just so down for it. Like the the concept of the game and everything, it turned the the initial concept ended up being slightly different than the final game, but I was still fine with it. Like the original concept, it was going to be a lot more Twins Peaksy and open world, and it ended up being a little more straightforward, linear. Um, still with like some of the weird Twin Peaks stuff. Um, I think Control ended up having a lot more of like the weird shit that I was expecting in Alan Wake. And I think the, the, the setting of Control makes a lot more sense. And the fact that they kind of blended Control and the Alan Wake universes and they're like all part of the same universe now is really cool. And I hope they get to do more with Alan Wake now that they have the, the IP back. But yeah, the game itself is just the idea where you have like all the enemies are darkness and so you have to like shine a flashlight at them first and then shoot at them and you use like flare guns and flashbangs as like offensive weapons because they you know like peel away the darkness that sort of concept was just really cool and i just loved the aspect of like focusing my flashlight at somebody to like burn away the darkness so i could make them weak enough to like shoot them with my shotgun and and the story itself, I, I love the story of Alan Wake and just like the, the mild horror. Like it wasn't like the sort of like straight up, you know, visceral horror. It was more of just like the kind of unsettling weird shit happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a very good game. It's one of my favorites of all time. And, you know, number two overall. And isn't it coming back out on a different system or something that you're probably going to get? I mean... I don't think so. Switch like it's, I don't think so. I think it's it's out on like Steam. I think you can uh, get it on PC, uh, but I don't think there's any plans for an, to uh, like a remaster of anything of the game. There is a like the new. There was a DLC for Control that continued the Alan Wake story, which might be what you're thinking yeah. of. But there isn't anything regarding the the game itself yet. Okay, so we're down to the number one game of 2010 to 2019 in T-Man's humble opinion. One of and, the best games ever, I think, yeah. Yeah, and so you have been expecting a game. You you said last week that if it wasn't number one, you were going to be upset with me. Oh, um, you better not be trying to swerve me and like say, oh yeah, it was number like 19 or something. This better, <laughs> there's only one game that should deserve this spot this is a yeah what is it t-man what what game do you think it is i mean if xcom 2 
isn't in this spot. Like, are you really even a gamer? This is a game that, like, has infinite replayability. Actually, my number one game is Halo 5. Come on. You should know me better than that. No, no, you are correct. Number one is XCOM 2. Uh, this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that has listened to the podcast at all. Like both we're friends for a you. reason. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Both <laughs> me and you have literally talked about XCOM two and our playthroughs through it multiple times over many episodes. And like, I started another playthrough of it recently. It's just so good. And our many episodes that we've explained why we love it so much but as harvey z said it's it's a so replayable it just you have so much customization you can play with at with your friends in your squad you can put random marvel characters there are mods that let you put overwatch characters in there if you want to have tracer on your team instead of <laughs> you know a random soldier and the different abilities are fun the the fact that you have to manage you know tired people versus other stuff and like the chosen expansion just added so much more it's a really good game it's the best strategy game ever maybe like, i don't know it, it, it competes with final fantasy tactics in the sense of like it's up there as in that genre as one of the best if mm-hmm. not the best like this is a top 10 if not top 5 of all time kind of games like it is because I'm trying to think, like, the other XCOMs I really love. Like, I love the XCOM franchise, but this one probably is the best. And I really love the early, like, the first XCOM, the pixelated ones from the 90s. And then XCOM 1, when it came out, I was like, this is amazing. And 2 can't beat 1, and yet it does. I think it refined it in such a way. And also, it added that twist on it where, like... Every other XCOM has always been, like, defending the Earth from aliens. Yeah. And this one was a true sequel where it was like, nah, you fucked up in the first game. The aliens won. And it just added that twist to it that makes it different enough to be unique, but also kept the formula that was usually there. And I think the combination of those things and the refinements they made just made it to be the best that it could possibly be it's just yeah this and there's like iconic like the XCOM game when you play through it there will just be iconic sequences that are personalized when it's like oh remember when i had this shot lined up and it didn't go through or i thought the game was completely over and then i stepped next to the civilian and it was a total trap and then we just got fucked up like those things are what i live for in video games in general yeah, like that that sort of like emergent narrative where your soldiers have stories and it's different from another person who plays the game and their stories. And even though like there is an overall narrative to the game itself, it's your personal stories and, and like your character's narrative that are important to you as opposed to just like finding out what the aliens are up to. Such a good game. Such a good game. You should really finish your game. I man. know. I that's that's actually where it's just I'm on the last like sequence and I just I stopped because it's right. it's like you a good book. You... you just can't like 
athletic. No, I'm over. giving you an assignment. By next week, I want you no. to have finished that your playthrough. Not going to happen take in a week, time. but like maybe by the end of this year, I at some point, like I have to close off this year by like. If you're that close to the end, you should be able to finish it in like a couple playthroughs, like a couple sit down for like an hour or two and just get through those last missions. Come on, <sighs> do it for me. Ugh, excuse me. It's like oh, and it it has a good end sequence. Like it it feels like you earn your victory at the end with like the boss fights and the grueling. Like oh, it's it took everything I loved about one of my favorite like childhood games and like expanded it in a way that I cannot like all games I wish could do this, but yet I know they can't, and that's why this is special. XCOM yeah. is like. When did it come out even, actually? 2016, I think. Okay, yeah. So I was about to say, was XCOM 1 out in 2010s? Was that somewhere in your list? Uh, Yeah, it was on my list. It was number 46. Um, T-Man. I mean, it, so the thing about XCOM, the first one, uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown, like, it was good, but then XCOM 2 came out. And it, it was one of the XCOM two is one of those games that retroactively makes the other game like if I'm gonna play an XCOM, I'm gonna play XCOM two. I'm not gonna go back and play XCOM Enemy Unknown because two is just the better game to me and I enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. And while it definitely deserved a spot on the list and got one, like I can't put it above a game like God of War or dark souls games that i can also go back to and are like i consider the pinnacle of the series like if xcom enemy unknown and xcom 2 were both great xcom games i would have both of them high on the list kind of like i had dark souls and bloodborne high up because they're both great games from a genre but like xcom 2 just blows XCOM Enemy Unknown out of the water to me so much that like I'm not ever going to play on Enemy Unknown again. Like I don't need to. I have XCOM 2. It's right. like the definitive XCOM. Yeah. At least until XCOM 3 comes out, which hopefully will soon. I'm I'm waiting on that one. Yep. Did you and you still haven't played the uh first person shooter the other one of the XCOM thing or the I have not. Third I have not person played I should that. say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um well, that's it. There you go. That that is the final uh, finale. Final finale. That's what I said. <laughs> to my countdown. Uh, number one was a, probably pretty easy. I feel like my top ten is also fairly straightforward. If you you know my taste in games. Now I'm like, here. yeah. I'm just like, oh, it's a pretty good list overall. Like I would say I probably agree with probably like seven out of the ten maybe most which was more than i was expecting so, <laughs> considering i was only like oh there's only one game i care about so <laughs> i'm glad I, I had enough of a argument for my taste that you can be like yeah yeah i yeah. i can appreciate that list it's not one of those like what the fuck is this doing here sort of list and i if you have any thoughts on on my personal list on my top 10 uh, games of the decade or any other games I've talked about, please let me know. You know, uh, I'd love to hear your top tens of the decade. Uh, if you have uh, the hanker in to make a list like I always do, and I'm sure I can come up with another type of list thing to do 
uh, in the future because I like making lists and we're getting towards the end of the year. So 2020 game of the year is going to be interesting, man. Yeah. I'm going to have to figure out what games came out this year. I only know like four or five, but even then I've gotten more games this year than any year previous. Yeah. This is the, the first year where you had like a full year of buying new games. Yeah. Cause like you had a switch at the beginning of the year. So you had the option to get switch games for all of 2020 and i think i did get switch games at least four to five of them if not more i well like you did get like breath of the wild which technically wasn't released this year but so that may make it yeah <laughs> we may make an exception for you for your games of the year since you're catching up we'll see what your your choices are at the end of the year <laughs> but okay that that's it for this week where can they find you harvey z they can find me on Twitter at Dazi is silent. You can find me on Twitter at T Man Plays Games. You can find our podcast at Make Me a Podcast. You can always email us at Make Me a Gamer Podcast at gmail.com. And you can find my writings at tmanwrites.com. You can always join us on our Discord if you haven't uh, and ha- add some new discussions and talk about lists and, and whatnot because I like making lists. And uh, we'll see you next week. Harvey Z, take us out. So this was such a good episode that I don't want to like screw around with it by like talking about other games that are just stupid games or stuff like that. But like, do you have a worst of list? Like worst games you've ever played? Ooh. Shittiest, most horrifying, just 10 maybe, or maybe even just the five worst that you've physically played. Oh, yeah. Oh, I definitely have worse games to talk about. Games that infuriate you. Games that, like, you don't want to talk about. It's very interesting because, like, games are a lot harder for me to actually find games I hate because it's gotten to the point where I just don't play games that I know I won't like. Whereas things like movies and and whatnot it's a lot easier to like go in thinking you're going to be getting a decent movie and then being like oh no oh no this was terrible oh god what have i gotten myself into (laughs) like for me investment in games it's a lot harder to to get like a oh god this is terrible you know reaction from games with games, but yeah, I have playing. some. I have a couple. Yeah. I'm curious if you ever make a list like that of like games that you either you played through, but you were unhappy that you played <laughs> through it, or game because not games where you're like, oh, I know this is going to be crap, and so you never played it, or games where you're you started it and it's like this is just no fun, and then you put it away. I want games that actually like annoyed or pissed you off, but you played a good a majority of the game. Uh, yeah, I I've got a couple. Okay. But I'll save them. We don't want to yeah. spoil them. No, yet. just I'm, maybe we can do a a bottom ten episode if you even have ten of those <laughs> of like worst games of all time that you've played. God, that would that would just be me being angry. That's why I'm like, ah, oh, this is a harmonious, nice show. But every so often, you know. Yeah, maybe. Got to stick to the man, right? Yeah, have a Sobble episode. <laughs> Alright, so I guess we're just going to end there. And uh, since we're ending on, on sticking it to the man, fuck Bobby Kotick.